Welcome to Decades from Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algemer to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly, how are you doing? I'm melting and I'm dehydrated, Nick. How are you? I'm probably about the same, to be honest. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? I hate to start the podcast by talking about the weather, but fucking hell. How do you not? It's so hot. <laughs> I'm in Frankfurt for a month and I keep looking at the weather app. It says rain, but it's it's elusive. It just doesn't rain. It's not the rain. It's the sitting around and just sweating. Like that's where we're at at this point with the weather. Like just sitting causes you to sweat profusely, which is not, well, at least that's what it does to me. I'm assuming yeah. it does the same. We are reaping what we have sown. Are you talking about the uh, cl whole climate change discussion? I am. <laughs> like as much as I totally, as much as I totally agree, and and it is doom and gloom. Part of me is just like, oh god, <laughs> can we just make jokes about it as well? Can we still make jokes about it? Because every time I, I feel like I want to make a joke about how hot it is, I'm waiting for some some person to go. Well, you know, this is the effect of climate change, and it's because the human race are a bunch of scumbags. And I'm like, yeah, I know that, I know that, but like, can't we have some gallows humor? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, out with it. What's the what's the joke you have? I, I wish I had a joke. At this point, I've, I've I've sort of built it up to a point where um, my brain is so overheated that I don't really have any jokes. But like, just no. if I wanted to make a joke, I should feel okay about it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is how we get by, Nick. It's the only way to survive. But yeah, yes, I've just been feeling, um, yeah, like it's really hard, as I've said before, I think, to function in in when it's I think it was thirty four today. Yeah. The hottest yeah. it's been since Sunday. Part of me really likes it. I mean, part of me really enjoys it. A large part of me, much larger than it has in the, ever in the past, but only when I'm sitting in the basement. <laughs> Is it cooler there? <laughs> yeah, it's like a ten degrees cooler in the basement. Oh, Nick! It's been quite funny. Like my wife hates spiders with like a passion. She's I mean, I guess she's arachnophobic at this point, but it feels a little bit histrionic when she starts screeching about spiders. Anyway, mm. uh, we've got a lot of spiders in the basement at the moment because it's where they like to hang out. And uh, mm. and so at least twice a day, my wife's like, oh, there's a spider. And I just take as long as possible sorting that out. Just <laughs> kind of chase it into a corner and go, all right, mate, just you stay there. <laughs> just... Do you kill the spiders? I never kill spiders, no. Oh, thank you. I take spiders, I put spiders in my office because I've got the windows open and a lot of insects come in at night mm. and the spiders eat them. So yeah. it's me and my colony of spiders. I feel like yeah. I'm slowly becoming some kind of Marvel villain uh, <laughs> with my collection of spider no, friends. I can see it, yeah. <laughs> uh, dear listeners, I can confirm the transformation. I, I mean, I haven't got a funky costume yet, but uh, I mean, yeah. what, we're weeks away from that, I think. Um Oh, I'd like to get another Marvel bandwagon. There's some uh, money to be made there, I think. And also, like, in this summer, you don't want to be looking uh, for a Marvel uniform, a villain uniform. I mean, th these things cover you from head to toe. You're a man. Oh, I was just going to wear pants. I was just going to wear a pair of white friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's my uniform. <laughs> just like a swim shorts. <gasps> yeah, yeah, like a banana hammock, and off we go. <laughs> Way forward. <laughs> I mean that's something that's something I was kind of expecting to see more of. We went to the um, municipal pool at the weekend mm -hmm. on Saturday, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm not one for like I like swimming pools. I like swimming. I don't particularly like 
the sort of kiddie pool swimming where you're not really swimming or cooling down. You're sitting at the edge of the water trying to prevent your child from braining themselves on the um, various items that are laying around a swimming pool or falling into the water or falling down the slide or something. So you don't really get the chance to cool off. But yeah. um, I was severely disappointed, as expected, a lot more like mad speedo action but there wasn't there wasn't a lot of that going on i'm afraid there was some very nonchalant people getting changed which always impresses me like yeah. the nonchalant german um people who were like happily just getting naked in the middle of a they are I yeah like to get lessons. changed not to like lie around but they were like yeah i'm just gonna take my swimming trunks off now bang done i'm putting some trousers on and you're like whoa okay i absolutely looked in the wrong direction i was yes, I'm looking at this yes but like i'm like i'm all, i can't do that i can never do that but i am a how do you do impressed. it um like gingerly and usually but behind some kind of locked door that would be my approach to getting changed at the swimming pool i um, see because i'm not doing that in a in a field well it's effectively a field because I took swimming lessons a couple of years ago, and one thing I was confronted with was the affinity for nakedness in the swimming pool bathrooms. There were showers, there were no doors, and people were just naked. I mean, getting ready to go into the pool and naked when they were out of it. And I, um, I mean, there was me with a big bath towel wrapped around me, and I was changing underneath it. Yeah like when i used to go to the gym and would have to go get changed and have showers and stuff and use the sauna never had a massive issue with that when it was like all men so like that mm. was fine producer simon gave me a rather funny look there yeah i'm comfortable <laughs> with it right i don't mind i played rugby for for years and years getting changed in a room full of men has never been an issue for me um in fact i like it no <laughs> so <laughs> yeah uh so like that's never been an issue and that's not not a problem but the fact that a lot of swimming pools have um kind of unisex changing areas oh no i, I meant with just the other women no nah, there's like you a lot of them the unis- well they have those oh. like they have those like um airlock uh, changing rooms where you go in one door and there's two there's two doors on the changing on the changing mm. stall and you've got the bit where you go in with your clothes and then the bit mm. where you come out with your swimming trunks on right oh, and okay. so like that's the process but they're all unisex so you sort of i'm just i just look at the floor a lot i just don't want to be accused of staring at anybody so i just like <laughs> look at my feet and sort of get on with it. Um, it makes me. That's the bit that makes me nervous. I think the nervousness is rather that people will think I'm staring. So I just avoid doing that as much as possible. Can I ask if you've ever been to a German sauna? Yeah, like a um, not a mixed one, but like a all all men one. It's something I did. I think we talked about it last year, and I'd said I hadn't done it, and then I was like, I probably should do it. The last year, maybe two years ago, I can't remember. But um, okay. it's not recently, not this year, at least, I don't mm-hmm. think. And um, I mean, time's a flat circle at this point. I mean, the last week and this week and last year and this year feel like just the same thing. <laughs> so that's <laughs> just all like... Nick, talking about things that you should have done, have you ever had gooseberries? I mean, that's a bit of a slide to go from <laughs> n- naked sauna stories to uh, to gooseberries. I feel like there is a connection there. There is a connection between those. The gooseberries, male saunas, yeah, there's definitely a connection. Yeah. Um, 
The uh, hairy, hairy little berries. <laughs> there's was, a connection the, there. There's uh-huh. the connection. There you go. See, there's the connection. Um, have I ever gooseberries? I think I've had some kind of gooseberry flavored alcohol, but I'm not a gooseberry aficionado by any stretch. Have you ever had them? Have you tried them? The red ones? I don't think I've no- ever knowingly eaten them. No one's. I've not been eating them, and someone's gone, "Oh, they're gooseberries." Like I must have had them at some point, but. I mean, you know my policy on fruit, Dilly, okay? Like, yeah, I do. Everybody do think I bring this up. Not a fan. It's been quite, it's been quite the pleasure um, hearing you say goose breeze, like, like an ocean breeze. And the next pleasure for me would be, could you eat some red gooseberries and tell us next week what you think about them? Gooseberries? Did you say yes, gooseberries? Please. I don't know about gooseberries. Um, gooseberries. Um, <laughs> the correct pronunciation. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm being attacked for being northern here. That's what it feels like. What you don't know, listener, is there was a great discussion before that we, we pressed record uh, where both producer Simon and Dilly were, were mocking my northern accent. Can you sure, Rantu Mama. Yeah, yeah. The listeners will defend me. The listeners love me. They think I'm great. I've seen their tweets. Oh, wait, no, they don't. They they think I'm a moron. Um, so, oh, no. Um, they'll just stick up for Dilly. They'll just stick up for Dilly and silent producer Simon. Yeah, I understand why. Much more appealing. Would you try some? I would love to hear what you think because well, it's it feels most, like a trap. It's... This feels like a trap. It feels like you're going to get me to buy gooseberries. I'm I'm going to eat them. I'm going to come out in some kind of hive-related allergic reaction, and uh, and and that'll be the story. You sound like I'm peddling drugs here. Like that's the resistance I'm getting. <laughs> well, after last week, if you were peddling drugs, I'd be peddling towards you, wouldn't I? So, um, but no, yeah, I could definitely try them if. If mm-hmm. you send me, if you send me what you want me to try, I'll try some gooseberries and I'll come back with to you with uh, with some information. Red gooseberries. Okay. Gooseberries. What, what makes them so special? And can I drink them with vodka? You can try that too. Okay. Sweet. Well, uh, what if? I mean, it's the texture. It's got like a, you know, when you bite into the skin, like there's this like gel middle with seeds that kind of spill into the mouth, and it's like sweet and sour. I like mm. that. It's a sensory delight. But... Sen- oh, look at you. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, I definitely try them and we can, I can report back to Dilly's Fruit Corner. We should uh, do this. Week. I should make you try your fruit every week. We've, we've made it. You can change me. See, I told you, this is what happens, listener. What did I say three weeks ago? W- women want to change, man, even if they're just your podcast co-host. <laughs> Why are you gendering my love of fruit? <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck your neck <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i just like it when you get angry of course not i'm not I'm angry only, i'm not I'm, angry i'm only i'm only joking i am totally i'm totally happy to give it a go if anyone can convince me that fruit isn't terrible and awful and should be thrown in the bin it's you dilly so um i'll give it a crack and i'll give you some feedback next week and listeners if you have any fruit suggestions for nick please do tweet at him yeah, and, and bear in mind, listeners, I do have Google, and every time you tell me fruit that I should try, I will Google it just so I don't end up eating, what is it, like one of them, like, fruits that smell like death or something like that. I think you're thinking of cheese, the kind of cheese you put on your stolen. Yeah, well, I mean, that cheese is, if it smells like death, it's the right kind of cheese, but it's <laughs> not the right kind of fruit, as far as I'm concerned. 
Anyway, moving Doing along it. from the fruit corner, we're, move, we're moving into your, what is fast again, becoming another one of your segments. You're trawling the, the social medias to find the most um, bizarre takes in human history. And you found a pretty, a pretty bizarre take on Twitter this week. So do you want to- I did. Do you, you want to uh, set this one up for us? So- there was a tweet by um, at Shortymatic on Twitter. So he's on German Twitter, and he said that he had to host a an eight year old friend of his child um, because um, the two kids were on a play date, and the parents had not picked up the kid on time. And so you know, I had to give him dinner. Should I charge him for it? Like it rounds. Uh, rounds out um, at about um, well, it comes to about nine euros. Should he charge the mother? Should he contact the mother? And in the next tweet, I think I thought it was quite creative of him. He's like, I can understand the concern. Just so you understand, it's you know we just eat bio and regionally sourced food, and things get pretty expensive around here. And um, I mean, obviously, I mean it wasn't that obvious, but uh, I mean it was satire. I mean, he was he was having a little bit of fun, but the thing is, in the replies, people were pretty much treating this as as something that they believed. Yeah, I couldn't quite work it out because it is so believable that someone mm-hmm. would pose that question. What I find on German Twitter very hard to pass is, I mean, sarcasm's hard in written form anyway. Like mm-hmm. sarcasm works on on social media when it's so ridiculous, but something like that's so subtle that it's totally believable that someone might try and charge their child's friends' parents for feeding them. I think yep. that's a totally yep. realistic thing to consider. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, the times are bad. I mean, there is that. Yeah, I, I mean, in that instance, I think I think it's different if we're. I mean, the fact that they were talking about bio food or something like that, or like organic <laughs> food, locally sourced produce, that suggested, gave it away, yeah. suggested a, a particular class distinction there. But uh-huh. I mean, it wouldn't. It, it just it feels like uh, the reason it works so well as a joke. Ultimately, is I feel like I know people like that. I yes, feel like I, same I here. feel like I've met people who would. Like, give me a bill at the end of a play date for the things that my child had eaten in at, at their house, you know. And there is a little bit of a kind of middle class parent shtick, the Jack Wolfskin Brigade, you know, um, the trendy parents. Uh, you know who you are, <laughs> and I'm sure you've seen them out and about. I'm a Jack Wolfskin person. Yeah, and I, I know, Dilly. Um, uh, oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, like the, the, like the family all have the same Jack's, Jack Wolfskin jacket. I saw actually at the swimming pool on Saturday, a family all had the same swimming costumes. And that's quite clever so that you can find your family again in the pool. I, I you might walk off with someone else's kid. It's creepy, right? Come on, it's creepy. It's, it's cult behavior. That's the kind of thing you're doing is like you're basically making a cult. I find that really weird. Like, where's the individualism, you know? Like, I just, nah. Uh, practicalities aside, it's it's bizarre that you would dress your kids up in similar clothing. It's like when you see um, siblings and they're wearing the same clothes. Oh, You know, maybe this stuff is worst. on sale. We are talking about the economy here. 
I can totally appreciate that. I mean, you, I've got two kids. Buying clothes is not cheap. I totally appreciate that. But at the same time, that's that's definitely a choice that people are making. I thought you were this non-judgmental person. You didn't want to judge the uh, the 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 life coach last week. You know, the um, life coach who left his kids with his sick wife. Yeah, but that's because he's a man, right? And you got to stick together. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. I mean, parents do what the fuck they want. Like, I, who am I to, um, to sort of stipulate what you should do? All I'm saying is, you won't won't catch my kids wearing the, the sort of same clothes. I find it just an odd decision to make in in that instance of like, mm-hmm. let's all dress up in the same clothes. Those types of people are the types of people that I would assume would hand me a reckoning at the end of a play date and be like, well, that'll be uh, 11 euro 62. Uh, you can see it's an <laughs> itemized bill uh, and you can see that there, there was a cookie eaten at uh, approximately 11.25. Uh, for lunch, we had some sautéed uh, asparagus with a nice bit of uh, bit of ham and that. And that came to around about six euros, um, and you can just see you could see that happening very much. Has so. it actually happened to you? No, my children aren't old enough to have play dates yet, so I don't have to worry okay. too much. We have people who come over, mm. and with their kids. I mean, my wife's friends and colleagues come over with their mm. kids. I, I, as we've learned, don't have any friends, so um, <laughs> no, I have friends. I have friends. None of my friends have kids. Well, I mean, yeah, one of them has has kids, but. Yeah. They're a doctor and it's very hard to track them down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're quite busy, you know, being a doctor. Um, but like most most of my friends don't have kids, which I, I prefer, to be honest. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, and and like, uh, so we don't really, we haven't really had those interactions. They're coming up though with kindergarten's going to start in September and, and that's mm. when they will probably start making friends with other parents and kind of doing all that jazz and being invited to places already mm. the hair bombers kind of introduced us to some people that she knows in the area who have kids and mm-hmm. ultimately you're doing it so your kids can play with other kids and socialize yeah. so whatever works but hey is a midwife yeah that's the midwife yeah and uh it's no surprise that people thought this tweet was serious but yeah. equally I'm not surprised by the replies because people, even the most obvious jokes, tend to get replies of very earnest replies in German Twitter. Germans can be very earnest when it comes to reply. And Nick has Guys. had much experience in this area. I do. I, I like the most basic jokes will just <laughs> honestly land like a lead balloon with some people. Um, and we, we, there was one I felt sorry for. There was someone who'd commented on something. Uh, I, I can't remember what it was. They commented. And I'd sort of, I was a bit frustrated. I was a bit tired, a bit frustrated. Mm. And I've replied like in a, a terse response with like, oh, it's a joke for God's sake. Like, what's your problem? And then they sort of replied again. And it became obvious from the second reply that they were just joking. Like it was a German joke and it was so Ooh. dry. And I was like, oh no. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, I'm quite obvious now that that was a joke. And like, I'm sort of sorry for, for sort of snapping Hold the you. table's turn. But like, you've got to be really careful because there's some people who are really earnest and you don't know until you sort of reply yeah. and get a second reply. But a lot of people on this thread who were like, oh, it's typical, bah, millennials, bah, and sort of <laughs> shouting about like the state of, of, of the world. And it does tend to reinforce people's stereotypes of, yeah. of young parents or kind of millennial parents at this point. We've had like a couple of experiences with like couples who... Like if one does the grocery shopping and they buy stuff that the other one likes to eat, then they like, you know, go over the 
the the bill and they charge their partner that they live with for the food that they bought for them i mean how people deal with their finances together i mean i i i mean i i can only speak for myself uh, but i don't do that but since i've witnessed it i'm pretty sure that this is actually not as uncommon as one thinks well i remember when i first moved in with my wife or well then girlfriend and she kept a running tally of all the money i owed her when i first moved that's but even before i had a job she did yeah she like had a running no well, eventually uh, like there was an argument and and we got rid of it because it was yeah. just basically like money that we just like i wasn't earning enough to pay back and it was just getting bigger and bigger and it's bec- yeah. becoming a bit of like a bit of a, a weight around the neck you know it's like yeah. oh, oh everything seemed to be going on this list and and i think couples do what makes them feel good i yeah, guess yeah but, yeah um i mean from my, at this point me and, me and my wife kind of you sort of know when one person's paid more per month and, yeah yeah you have a feel for it though and that, so i try i try and do all the shopping yeah unless it's something like a big purchase yeah then we don't really sort of worry about it because one of one of our others other of us will will get it eventually so filling the car with uh petrol that's the, always the the big one because yeah i don't i don't use the car but i might use it once and go quite a long distance yeah and then i'm like oh you didn't fill up the car and i'm, <laughs> I'm just like yeah it's not it's not my car <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't land well no i think for a lot of british people the idea is that money like shared bank accounts shared money is a sign of intimacy yeah but i know couples that don't have shared bank accounts Oh, okay. Interesting. Actually, actually, I prefer not to have a shared bank account. I see. Yeah, no judgment. It's a safe zone today. <laughs> It's a safe zone. But like, <laughs> but I think that's for a lot of people seems would seem weird, you know. Um is it we uh, that's the thing. I don't I don't want to call it weird. I mean, what works for other people is what works for them. I I I I I wouldn't know the reasons and I I mean, it's also not my place to tell them what they should do. But it's like it's for some people it is a sign of intimacy like the sharing mm. of finances is like like we have a shared bank account and it's but in both of our names and Oh okay. And like and that's where the 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 sort of the bills get paid whereas we've never really done that. Like I pay some bills, my wife pays others. Mm. We don't have a shared bank account, so it works, functions quite nicely. I'm going to I'm going to sound really bad saying this but uh, when I'm with my boyfriend particularly when I'm in Frankfurt and we do grocery shopping I don't like carrying my purse. Huh? What are you the queen? Just... <laughs> 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 and that's not the worst of it. And uh, I mean he picks up the grocery tab more often than I do. Or I give him my uh, SA card, uh, my uh, my debit card so that he can carry it in his wallet. because i just don't like carrying things in my hand like handbags or my phone i can understand that but i think you've got to pay pay your way haven't you like you see these things flash up every so often like like i don't i've never met anyone who was quite like as selfish as some of the things you see online where people are talking about like well if he doesn't he doesn't have this much money and i wouldn't date him or like she ah, needs yeah. to that's, she needs to pay her own way and and i i feel like yeah. don't feel fundamentalist about it but Yeah, I mean it depends on the con- I mean the fact that he does most of the shopping when we are in Frankfurt doesn't mean that I don't um, I mean I also go shopping on my own so 
but you you cook amazing food so to be honest like it's the same for me i don't care how much the shopping is because my wife cooks so that's what my boyfriend thinks too so it's not like a biggie for me like i'd rather i'd rather pay for the ingredients and not have to go through the hassle of cooking yeah he he thinks he said this more than once like oh but you cook and i do i cooked biryani mutton lamb biryani dal chili chicken curry mint sambal and and potato stir fry today for dinner oh wow Mm-hmm. That's not bad. So you, you said you you were cu- cooking lamb, but you also almost said mutton, right? Oh, Nick! Oh, you have to ask. Yeah. It's been driving me nuts because in Sri Lanka we say mutton, mm-hmm. and um, mutton is what we call goat meat. Is that what you call goat meat? Mutton would be a slightly older sheep. Yes, but because there is no sheep. in sri lanka well not not significantly mm-hmm. uh in countries like ghana india and sri lanka mutton tends to be goat yeah i, I think well no i mean like in caribbean countries they just have yeah. goat goat curry don't they they just say, call it what it is but um yeah i mean that could well be a way of disguising the ingredients to to uh to a certain extent i guess that's why you would call it mutton but Um it's not disguising it's just using the word for something else because the what is what it refers to just doesn't exist. Yeah. Simon guess, Simon is very passionate yeah. right so now. We're talking about sheep. I keep telling you every time we talk about sheep Simon <laughs> Simon becomes the most animated if you could see him listener. He's like pointing at the screen, shaking his fists, like shouting at the camera. Uh, it's it's like, like it's Sean. like I know it's like watching a watch a man losing losing his mind, you know. Uh so, yeah. Uh I mean I'm glad I'm glad you brought up mutton for the simple reason is it gives me a seamless transition to the next topic which oh, was all Your I ever transitions looked. are seamless mine are seamful fine. Yeah, I mean we you'll Have get there, Dilly. You'll get there. A bit of practice, right? Uh, <laughs> watch an expert in action. Um oh. Not at all patronized, but sure. Anyway, we were talking about mutton, mutton the food, but it brings me to to something that the sort of something I learned basically last week. Um I, I we all love learning something new and uh I learned the word hamelsprung, hamelsprung, which um was confusing because it was used quite a lot last week in a particular instance to do with the Bundestag and the last day in the Bundestag. And when I translated the word because I'd never seen it before, it came up as directly translated as mutton leap and i was like all right so that is clear as day then that's good uh, <laughs> i don't know what a mutton it leap is it was not clear as day i saw this on the script <laughs> and i googled it i could yeah. not find mutton leap yeah so that was the first question i was going to ask you was like what do you think a mutton leap is what's a hamelsprung do you think what do i think is a mutton leap okay entertain me nick what is a mutton leap That's all I live for, Dilius, to entertain you. Um, Thank you. It's not a trick question. The the mutton leap. It is what it it sounds like, but it actually, Hamelsprung is better translated as as um, what we'd call a division in English, mm-hmm. and it's actually the process of voting by using particular doorways. Okay. So it's a quite uh-huh. an old process that a lot of parliaments use, where yeah. and this is used very often for crucial votes in the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. where you'll go through the divisions look like the 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 speaker of the house will call, call like clear the lobby divisions clear the lobbies 
Yeah. And and all the, you go out the the House of Commons and you go into a lobby that takes you through a doorway and you're counted mm-hmm. through that door and your vote is counted. So there'll be like a yes, a no, and an abstain door. And someone counts you, counts the, the, the amount of politicians who've walked through each door so they can get an accurate count of politicians, but an accurate <laughs> count of, of who's voted, right? And it's like the most lo-fi process you could ever imagine. Like all it is, is walk through the, the, the door that you want and we will count your vote based on that. So it's not a very secret vote. No, it's. I mean, no. I mean, a lot of um, a lot of voting in uh, the Bundestag, as, as in the House of Commons, is often done by raising hands or standing up. That's yeah. quite a common way of voting. So, um, and obviously, I think a lot of that's to avoid the complications that come with electronic voting processes. Okay, but it's very clear who's. I mean, it can't be. I mean, if these people can't walk through the door they mean to walk through, then they shouldn't be there in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're incapable of walking through a door that's marked yes, no, or abstain, then you're probably in the wrong building and in yeah. the wrong job. Um, yeah. But the Hammelsprung process in the Bundestag follows this exact description. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not particularly rare, but it's not also very common either that it occurs. And I think it's only happened seven times in this current session, but yeah. it's happened lots of times in other sessions over the, over the years. Mm-hmm. Like I said, quite a lo-fi process. It ultimately sort of works quite efficiently because you get a quick sense of of, of how many people are used, and and they don't really use it for votes so much in the Bundestag, but they do use it to to decide if they have a quorum or not, mm. which is more than fifty percent of the MPs are in attendance. Because mm. without a quorum, you can't debate, and if you can't debate, then the Bundestag effectively shuts down. Mm. And they can use it for close close votes as well, where they're not sure by number of hands or by people standing up. And the reason it was used last week, it was actually used twice last week. And I wish I could say it was because of some important serious voting process. But actually yeah. on the last day of the Bundestag on, on Friday, it was a, um, a way of just causing absolute chaos in, yeah. the, uh, in the Bundestag. There were two divisions, as I said. The first was whether to call back Robert Harbeck, who is the uh, much maligned, embattled economics minister of uh, the coalition government mm-hmm. and Green Party MP. And old yeah. Robert Harbeck was uh, away from the debate that was raging around this new law about introducing liquefied gas terminals, right? Mm-hmm. So they want to build liquefied gas terminals. They've built some already, want to build some more. It's part of this energy energy transition that, uh, that, that Germany's going through so that it can become more reliant on other sources of energy. And this debate's raging in the Bundestag and, and Robert Harbeck gnashes off because he's actually got to give a speech in the mm. Bundesrat, which is the upper chamber of the mm. Bundestag. And he off, off he went. And the CDU uh, members and the opposition saw him leave and were like, where's he going? Like, hmm. and, 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 and then they wanted to call him back. And in order to call him back, they had to go through this process of voting through doors, hmm. right? To decide, because it wasn't entirely sure how many people had voted. And it was a little bit like everyone was go- getting demob happy. Like everyone, like it's the summer holidays, everyone's do it going a bit crazy, making crazy decisions. Hmm. And so the CDU forced this vote, which they um, lost ultimately. The worst part about it, though, was the fact that the CDU already knew Robert Harbeck wasn't going to be there. Like okay. the fact he was giving a speech in the Bundesrat had already been announced weeks before, so yeah. it was a, they were aware that he would not be there during the debate. So it was huh. a little bit of politic and a little bit of sneaky skullduggery yeah. in the chamber. Yeah, yeah. So not not great to see. So what is a mutton leap? 
Well, the mutton leap itself, the Hamelsprung, is something that comes from, um, well, it actually comes from the process of counting sheep, right? So you would, I guess they would jump over something, so you'd count one, two, three, four, how many sheep you had. Yeah. But, I, but it's a term that came into use in the uh, imperial uh, unification of Germany. I think the first use is something like 1874. Mm. And uh, it was a common use of the term. It's not an official term used by the Bundestag, but it's the term that everyone sort of knows it by. Yeah. And it was so common in, in use in the 19th century that when the um, they built the Reichstag building originally, mm -hmm. the architect, a guy called Paul uh, Vallet, I think his name was, mm -hmm. he, vo he designed two voting doors for yes and no yeah. uh, in 1894. The no door was decorated with a picture of um, the Rubitzal, I think it's called as a, a fairy tale character. And that was mm -hmm. the yes door. Whereas the no door had the Cyclops uh, stroking a ram's back. And it's the story from um, the Odyssey where Odysseus hides and his men hide underneath the ram to hide from the Cyclops. So there's like a connect. So they decorated the door with this this cyclops stroke in the ram, and it was like again a reference to the to this mutton leap that uh, the Hamel sprung. Oh. According to the the Bundestag uh, records, there's been a total of 565 yeah. uh, um, Hamel sprungs in the history of Parliament after 1949, and the yeah. record the record stands at 181 that was set between 1949 and 1953 in that crucial phase of kind of the building and construction of the Republic of Germany. Whereas there's only been seven so far in the last, in the last session. So yeah, a bit of a weird terminology to have, but still a kind of old process, but a process that works, I think, which is something yeah, that yeah. typifies Germany, right? Typifies Germany and typifies learning something new on the podcast every 10 minutes. Hey, that's what I'm here for. If, if anything, to teach you anything, teach you about yeah. obscure terminology from the Bundestag. <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing that happened last week that was uh, related to stuff we've talked about in the past. Did you notice that the heating law didn't go through um, as as it was intended to last week? What was that? Why did it not? Why did it not go through last week? Well, so the the heating law is one that have been debating for months and months. It's mm. been a massive bone of contention there's been protests the opposition has gained a lot from the sort of arguments around the idea that new houses uh, will have to be built using heat pumps and um, any uh, oil and gas boilers that go kaput basically that stop working and cannot be repaired mm. will be replaced with with heating pumps there's been yeah. so much discussion about it yeah and it was meant to be voted on in the the last session uh, yeah. last week and actually what happened the plan was that it would be passed before september and actually yeah. what happened was again this is weird little politicking it's a funny thing because i'm always like curious how, what the cut through is going to be like will people notice and it's one of those things that i think it's so complicated people didn't even really notice it it was sort of political nerds like me would noticed it but i don't feel yeah. like it it really hit home with a lot of people just mm -hmm. the chaos of it i think more than anything so what happened was Wednesday, sort of in the evening, the uh, Bundesverfassungsgericht, the Constitutional Court in Karlsruhe, ruled that the debate around the heating law had to be postponed. Mm. Uh, and they ruled basically that there hadn't been the requisite amount of time for the debate and okay. to read the new law. Mm. And this was instigated by a member of the CDU called Thomas Heilman, who had lodged the complaint with the court. And, and it, it is a little bit of politicking. It's a bit mm -hmm. of a technicality that they've caught the government on. Mm -hmm. And 
because the the constitutional court said you can't debate it they've had to postpone the vote they couldn't have the vote as they wanted on i think on thursday or friday yeah. last week and uh in fact the, apparently this thomas heilman is is like a bit of a maverick because i don't think uh, from what i've read this the cdu party didn't actually know he was doing this until okay. the until it like happened and then they also celebrated because they prevented the government from doing this important piece of legislation. And also it just made the government look really daft. Yeah. Ultimately, the reason for the delay is um, it's quite it's a quite reasonable. Politicians should have time to read the law. We have debated yeah. it a long time, but yeah. actually this isn't the first time the coalition's been pulled up for trying to speed laws through the Bundestag. Ah, uh, okay. the B Bundestag president, Birbel Bass, had said already that she would like the government to adhere to the timetables that are usually set for making laws, giving people yeah. enough time to read them. So this is like a, a point of um, order, really, um, and, and a kind of um, following of procedure that they've been caught out on, which makes them look a little bit daft. Yeah, and uh, they've been caught snoozing, no? Yeah, so ultimately the big problem for, for the government is we've got four, no, three elections. I think there's one in Brandenburg, there's Bavaria and... Yeah. Saxony Alholt, I think as well, oh, okay. uh, are having a vote in the autumn. And the hope was that this kind of debate around the heating pumps would be over by then, but it doesn't look like it will be. Um, they've tabled potentially to have the vote on the 2nd or 3rd of September as soon as the Bundestag reopens from the summer recess. I but see. It's not um, looking great. It's not a, it's not, it wasn't a great day in the Bundestag for the coalition right. uh, last week. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, Dilly, you were talking about your experience with your terrible neighbours and how they were overwatering their lawns and uh, yes. being a general bloody nuisance. Being a general bloody nuisance. Thinking about your experience with your terrible neighbours and mm -hmm. a, a story in Süddeutsche Zeitung caught my eye last week, uh, and it was a it's it's a really kind of. Um, I think it's one of them stories that you will have um, some empathy for, perhaps, in your in your situation, because it's a tale as old as time. This story: millionaire builds a swimming pool, council finds out and doesn't like the swimming pool, blocks the construction, bureaucracy takes over, it all becomes very chaotic, but the swimming pool is still there. And this is uh, a very bizarre story coming straight out of Bavaria. Uh, in the uh, municipality of Rotak Ergen, which is um, around about the Tegensee. Um, and Tegensee is one of the very posh parts of Bavaria, where the very well-heeled and um, the, the great and good of Bavarian society either live or have holiday homes. I have a question, Nick. Yeah. So the thing is, if it's the the fancy part of uh, your state and someone mm. was building a swimming pool there, it won't happen overnight, right? Well, no, <laughs> it doesn't. No, they don't happen. So how is it that the council found out but can only block the construction, but apparently not effectively because there is a swimming pool there? Because that's how I understood the story. Or is there like a hole this this is this is where things get this gets so so deep into the weeds of German bureaucracy mm -hmm. um, and and how effective or ineffective it can be. So it all started when a builder who is I think some kind of wealthy trailer salesman essentially, or they have a big company that sells trailers, mm. um, and he bought a property 
in uh, Rotak Ergen uh, from actually the the founder of Metro, a guy called mm-hmm. Otto Biesheim. And he died in 2013, and this guy okay. bought the house in 2019. And he had a what is described in uh, the translation as a bathing pond. So whether that's a <laughs> pond... The, whether it's a bad translation, I couldn't work it out because it, it, like I looked at it, the word, and 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 it was essentially exactly what it sounds like. It's a bathing pond, um, so I think it might be like a, a essentially a pond you can swim in, not rather not like a swimming pool, but the water surface is around three hundred square meters, right? So it's a pretty big, yeah. um, big pond, yeah. And uh, it's pond. it's been and it's been dug a fair distance from the house. Okay. okay. And the town hall didn't know anything about this pond Mm. and they hadn't received a building application. Mm. And the reason they didn't get a building application was because the area is considered an outdoor area. And when it comes to planning law, at least in Mm. Bavaria, there is some differences between what is considered an outside area and an area that's like an extension for the house. So they obviously built it away from the house so that they won't have to get planning permission, right? Well, this is the other side of it. In this particular lovely part of Tergensee, there's a well, it's a proclivity that a lot of Germans have for garden houses. So they'll build like a small shed or but literally a house in some instances. Sometimes they have multi stories, uh, but they're they're basically yeah, a house in the, the bottom of the garden. Maybe it's like a house for sitting in the summer. Mm. Maybe it's a place where you can light a log fire in the winter whatever you know hmm. maybe it's just a storage building uh, but a lot of the houses have these garden houses in them and so uh, it's not uncommon for people in the area to build them without any kind of planning permission hmm. due to these differences in planning laws between construction that's considered part of the house and construction that's considered separated from the house yeah once the district office discovered that this pool pond whatever you want to call it had Mm. been built they uh, intervened very quickly and they 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 had the construction stopped uh, 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 to work out what the hell was going on once the construction stopped they suddenly received an application for the pool right so so a bit of (laughs) of paperwork turned up which of course they rejected out of hand oh no i thought they'd be delighted with it oh no late paperwork is the worst kind of paperwork Ah. to give to a beamta didn't you know no get it in on time right Uh uh-huh now the district office which is the sort of council or the rat house office was a bit unsure about what to do next so they Mm. did what you always do in germany and pass it up the chain of command right so they sent that up to um the government of upper bavaria which is um which is is, is governs these these particular uh, issues yeah. and they asked whether the area should be considered indoors or outdoors mm. and the government of upper bavaria said it's inside it's clearly inside yeah. so the 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 permits were submitted and soon after the swimming pool was finished yeah and once completed the court changed its mind and said it's actually outside, right? <laughs> so it's not clear what what sort of happened. So so they've they've said, oh, it's it's inside, it's outside, it's inside, it's outside. They've yeah. kind of played around with what with, with what it all means. But even though they said the pool's unlawful, they also said you don't have to get rid of it. Yeah, which makes no sense to me. Which is like it's like pure bureaucracy madness, where there's like this is the decision, but also we're not going to do anything about it. 
And so uh, the, the beauty of this, though, is the district office has gone like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. We've passed this up the chain of command. And they've said this. So we're not involved anymore. And they've basically kind of stepped back. So there is a pool which is finished, but nobody's allowed to use it? I guess that's kind of where we're at at this point. And like, I kind of feel for the district office because there's not a lot of clarity they can, they can work with. Yeah. And, and also they're dealing with complaints from, the, like the people of Tegancy aren't your average customer, right? Yeah. They're like usually quite wealthy, potentially well retired, yeah. well-connected. Yeah. Um, so, so well-connected, wealthy people with a lot of time on their hands. And mm. they live in a pernickety part of the country where it's a bit gossipy and it's a bit kind of petty. And so you sort of see how these things can develop quite nastily for anyone working in in the, the local government. So they've got this idea that maybe it's legal, maybe it's not legal, don't really yeah. know. Yeah. So the district office is basically saying, well, we're bound by what the, the local, the, the government of Upper Bavaria has said. Mm. Uh, we can't do anything about it. And uh, since the official kind of lawyers of, of, of the government of Upper Bavaria have, have made a decision, we're not going to go against it. And a part of that is to do with these garden houses that are so, um, uh, and so in vogue in this area. Because yeah. if you rule against this pond, yeah. then you would have to also rule against all the garden houses that don't really have planning permission either. And then you then you create an even larger problem. Yeah. And th this is where you get into like the worst neighborly aspect, which is hmm. should they go to this wealthy builder um, or tradesman guy who's bought this house and built this pond and say, get rid of your pond, he can go, well, you have to treat everyone equally, which means that they wouldn't have to, have to issue letters to other people who'd built garden houses and right. it would just create chaos so it's yeah. kind of like a it's like a it's a really posh german slash bavarian mexican standoff where everyone potentially could get shot in the face my okay interesting oh, is it am i too soft-hearted though if i say that since you said they're all most all retirees they should have a little pool for their little aquatic physiotherapy and all well let me give you a sample of how well connected everybody is or can be in this area mm -hmm. and why it isn't just nice doddering old people okay. with little swimming pools the guy who has the swimming pool has engaged the legal services of the former Bavarian Minister of Justice. Okay. Oh, so, Jesus. So, who potentially is the next door neighbor? Who knows? So that's the kind of like strings we're pulling is we pull this string and we get a former Minister of Justice. Uh, and also, like, well, it's overkill. Isn't that overkill? It's like dynamiting the anthill. It's very much so. But it's also the fact that who this particular individual is, obviously, with well in with the CSU, who are the perpetual government of Bavaria. Mm. But the guy's called Alfred Sauter, a Sauter, I think his name is Alfred Sauter or Sauter, mm -hmm. and he's, um, uh, as I said, part of the CSU, part was was part of the the cabinet, and he's also uh, being accused of uh, being a profiteer during the pandemic due to some deals that were made about masks and uh, supplying masks to the government. Uh, and so not the wholly clean kind of guy that you would hope for. And uh, yeah, so that's the kind of 
people that you can call in when you're uh, um, you're dwelling in in, in the Tegancy. You can sort of call in former politicians to fight your battles for you. Fine. No aquatic physiotherapy for him. He can go to the local municipal pool if he wants to. Well, that's the opinion of the mayor of uh, of this small town, and a guy called um, Koch, I believe his name is. No mm-hmm. laughing at the back, please. It's a very typical German name. Um, his name's Christian Koch. Nobody uh, was laughing, also- Nick. Yeah, yeah, I know. This, I can hear the <laughs> listeners, you can, and and yeah, and Simon's like I was. Uh, so, and um, uh, so uh, Christian Koch has said that uh, the pool has to go, has yeah. to get rid of it. It's about protecting the trust of everyone who abides by the rules, which is a a very German thing to say. Everyone needs to follow them goddamn rules. Um, and he sees the fact that there were violations all around in the past as a certain mm. legacy issue. So he doesn't see it as connected with these garden houses that didn't get planning permission. Yeah. Uh, and he said, I love this sentence. He said, you don't make a mistake better by multiplying it. <laughs> That's, like, That's fucking true. It's a very true statement. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very true. Okay. Uh, now, this is a guy I would hire if I built, a, built an illegal pool and I need to justify it. He seems quite clever and he has a way with his words. Well, I don't think he would stick up for you. He seems like a, like a fairly moral bloke. Um, he seems like a fairly moral bloke. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 do you care if your neighbours have a swimming pool? A lot of my neighbours have those above ground swimming pools. They're very popular. Uh, and where I do am. I care? Well, I care that my neighbour has a lawn on which he grows nothing, just grass, and that he waters it twice a day. I care about that. But if you plonked a swimming pool on that on that lawn. Would you I judge him even more. It's more water. <laughs> so, so you don't think you would you would be one of the complainees? Is what you're telling us? I would be one of the complainees. I mean, if that was illegal, I would complain about it. I mean, there was someone who uh, who had a bonfire and he was burning all the plastic that he'd collected in the last century. Uh, <laughs> I called the police. I'm sorry because I. It was very nasty, the smell, and what he was doing is actually against the law. We discussed it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize you'd, you'd call the roses on him. Good for you. That's the way to go. Get the bastards. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's one, of those, it's one of those things you see in, certainly in, in, in little villages where everyone's peeking over the, uh, the hedges and, and over the fences to see what everyone else is doing and what every, everyone else is up to. And, and I've had that as a minor experience when I've been doing up the garden. I've had mm. the neighbors wandering by to have a look to see what I've been up to. Yeah. Um, but this is like sort of scales of difference, really, when you have really, like I said, really wealthy people doing kind of slightly, not, I don't know, it's illegal, but slightly um, dodgy dodgy yeah that's the right word slightly dodgy things and kind of getting their own way and then when 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 pressed employ very expensive lawyers with a lot of very important connections um i i don't think that would ever happen with with uh with with my lawn or my any decisions that i might make in my garden yeah germans can be quite litigious can't they germans can be quite litigious that is that is true I think that's also why we have uh, there is an insurance for this, right? For all oh, right, yeah, yeah. There is definitely an insurance for this. Wow, well, there is a name. Is it rest? Ah, rest position. Is that it? It's like a legal insurance. So, like, if you need to sue someone, yeah, if you need to sue someone or sue, someone's suing you, you can, yeah. you can, you can afford to pay for a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. I bet this guy's one must be a pretty, a pretty good deal if he's getting. Uh, 
former Bavarian Minister of Justice. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean that's like if you're if you're the lawyer lining up lining up for that one, you're like, oh God. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know they were gonna bring in the big guns. I'm just a small town Bavarian country lawyer. State attorney kind of thing and <laughs> Exactly, yeah. It's like it's not even fair. It's not even fair. But it's it's one of those stories that I think is is always floating around in the summer where it's like Oh well, the Bundestag's on holiday. Every all everyone's got else is going on holiday. What are the posh people doing? <laughs> what are the posh people doing in the posh parts of town? Digging at the bottom of the garden. Oh come on, the posh people—they're not digging. They've got someone else to do it for them. It's it's funny, isn't it? Like it's the height of summer. You could use a pool, and there they are. Does the municipal council have like someone watching over the pool to make sure no one's using it? I mean, I, I'm guessing they put up some kind of uh, yellow tape, taped it off, put up one of those like those like um, for metal boat. fences. Yeah. yeah, put up a metal fence. Can't can't let them in. They wouldn't have put up a camera because that would be against the Darton shoots. Yeah, because it's still in someone else's garden. Exa- no? Exactly, that would be uh, yeah. breaking privacy rules. Yeah, <laughs> your garden is not private enough for you to build your own pool, but it's private enough for us to not have cameras. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't have the state invading people's privacy like that. It's no nah. way to get on. Yeah, yeah. That brings us to the end of the show. We really have to go. Nick needs some help picking his gooseberries. Are these the right ones, Dilly? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag Decades From Home, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algamer, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40percentgerman.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks, and bis some next time. Cheers! Cheers!